Liverpool is a lively city with many attractions. Walking the docks on the River Mersey, you can watch the ferries trolling along the Irish Sea at a pensioner's pace to the Isle of Man, Belfast, or Dublin. There is an entire side street devoted to the Beatles with a museum and a themed hotel. Just a brief passing through leaves you humming one of their perfect tunes. Further along in the city center, a bombed-out cathedral stands and crumbles, an artifact from the Merseyside Blitz during World War II. It is a haunting sign of the times when the whole city had to hide away at a moment's notice as terror fell from the skies. Continuing on a little further to the Edge Hill neighborhood, things start to look a little more residential, with bottle shops and lending agents. Instead of looking out to the sea, or around at a building, in Edge Hill, you must look underground for an attraction. This is Secret Passages, a podcast about the stories found in hidden tunnels, subterranean networks, and other mysterious portals. I am E.S. Rodenbiker. Under the streets, vaulted ceilings of ornate design with elaborate buttresses and deep pits are hidden in a series of long, dark tunnels. They contain forgotten heirlooms and a true mystery of the city. As volunteers excavate the tunnels that date back to the early 1800s, they keep unearthing more and more of the subterranean network hiding under Liverpool. There is no apparent end in sight, and still no one can figure out why in heaven or earth the tunnels were built. The purpose is a mystery. One thing is for sure, it is considered the world's largest underground folly. Usually found in parks, gardens, or along the sea, a folly is a structure with no purpose but to look pretty or to be grand. They attract the attention of onlookers, with strange flourishes from bygone eras like gothic arches or medieval column design. Sometimes they are built to look like crumbling ancient ruins, no bombing air raids required just for the sheer look of it. These follies are usually the pleasure projects of eccentric rich guys. It should be no surprise that they often erect towers. Joseph Williamson was one such rich guy. In 1810, the tobacco merchant began construction of a series of tunnels under the earth, for no one to see. It is most peculiar for a folly to be built away from spectators. It makes people wonder, what was he hiding? Or who was he hiding from? There is another sense of the word folly, meaning foolishness or lack of good sense. I quite like the meaning in its origins in Old French. Madness. Folk around Liverpool have always had theories about the mad folly of the Williamson Tunnels. 
Some say that Old Joe was a secret member of an extremist doomsday religious sect. His tunnels were built for the end of the world and the coming battle between good and evil when terror would rain down from the skies. When Joseph Williamson worked his way up into the merchant class of Liverpool, he did it the old-fashioned way, by pulling himself up by his bootstraps, becoming rich, and then marrying into a prominent family. That old-fashioned way. But by many accounts, Williamson was a bit of an eccentric. On his wedding day, after the ceremony, he left his bride to go hunting while still in his wedding suit. I wish I could tell you that this was common at the time, but I think that this is straight up odd behavior. Another time, he invited some friends over for a dinner party, and when they all seated, he stood up and berated them for only liking him for his money. When people began to trickle away, the ones that stuck around were treated to an elaborate meal and a rousing party waiting in the other room. Which is a nice reminder that the next time a friend starts to tell you off at a dinner party, just wait around and see what treats are waiting in the other room. It may just be a friendship test. Williamson was a peculiar guy. When he started employing out-of-work laborers for a building project, his friends could explain it away as an act of philanthropy. At the time, returning soldiers from the endless campaigns against Napoleon in France filled up the poorhouses of Liverpool. War veterans walked the docks and the streets, a sign of the times with its miseries of war and the constant losing battles against England's hated enemy, the French. Williamson gave these soldiers something to do, and he paid them to do it. They started to build out his back garden, he was a hard driver and barked his orders to the laborers like they were trained dogs. When that project finished, he had the workers dig holes. The next day, he ordered them to fill them up. The next day, dig a hole. Day after that, fill them up. Old Joe was either a charitable lord to the city's returning war heroes, or he was falling into madness. A devoted Christian, Williamson paid rent on a pew at the parish church where he was married. Liverpool, a major port of call for the British Empire, was also a hotbed for extremist religious ideas. Williamson would have received the latest headlines from the revivals of the Second Great Awakening in America. He likely heard the prophecies of the Swedish scientist and spirit world seeker Emanuel Swedenborg which were published widely from London. In Ireland, the Anglican priest John Nelson Darby circulated long-reasoned arguments for the rapture, when the faithful would be taken up into the heavens and the second coming of Jesus would bring about a final battle. The Armageddon. Humans have always struggled with predicting the future, and many groups through time subscribe to an end of days. There is Ragnarok in Norse. Buddhists say that nothingness will return. 
Even before the time of Jesus, groups in Persia and in Judaism declared an apocalyptic end of the world. Every good story needs a climax, a dramatic rise in the action, and the Armageddon is Christianity's big action sequence for humanity. Jesus returns to Earth with an army of angels to rage against the forces of evil. There will be signs before the event. The mark of the beast, 666, woe and misery in the streets, endless war between nations. The Antichrist will rise to power concealed as a commanding world leader. The only problem is that no religion can agree on exactly how or when the climax of the story of humanity is coming about. It had been a long 1800 years since Jesus walked the earth, so a few groups started drawing up dates and plans for the end times. One being the followers of William Miller in America. Miller used numbers in the Bible to calculate that the end of the world would occur in October 1843. He attracted tens of thousands of people with his prediction. So convincing was the coming of the apocalypse that many people left careers, sold their possessions, and waited together with the other Millerites in long flowing robes for the time of ascension into the heavenly sky when Jesus would come and set everything right. When October 1843 came and went, with no elevator ride to the sky, Miller admitted that he calculated the numbers wrong, working off an incorrect calendar. Apparently, he forgot to carry the one. It was actually October 1844. When that date too came and went with no apocalypse, the event became known to his followers and to history as the Great Disappointment. Doomsday predictions did not stop there. There was a lovely little group in Chicago during the 1950s called the Seekers, who sold all their possessions and quit good jobs so that a UFO could take them up into the sky before the coming end of the world. The apocalyptic imagination does not just attract people prone to believe in flying saucers. Even Sir Isaac Newton, the Cambridge Don, godfather of gravity, lover of apples, devised a robust calculation based on biblical numerology to conclude that the end of days is in 2060. Which is good news, I still have time to stay at that Beatles-themed hotel. If Newton could get swept up in predicting the end of days, it is not far-fetched to see the Williamson Tunnels as a similar calculation. Perhaps he read the signs of his time, with its overflowing poorhouses, the successes under the rising Napoleon, and the constant chatter of the impending doom from the heavens, and decided it was time to dig down, deep into the earth, just in case the apocalypse came to Liverpool. That would make Williamson's Tunnels the world's largest underground folly and Armageddon bunker.
The first explorer on record of the tunnels was the amateur historian James Stonehouse in 1845, just a few years after Williamson's death, when the secrets of the tunnels could be unearthed by the public. He described his approach to the tunnels. In the garden or orchard to the right of the tunnel, there were four lofty recesses cut out of the solid rock. Near these recesses, there was a passage or vault running eastwardly. It was about 120 feet in length and 10 or 12 feet high. The drawings by Stonehouse show an imposing archway and a combination of scribbles and shadowing that look a monstrous figure in the pit of the portal. Nearly 60 years later, in 1916, Charles Hand described the tunnels as a nightmare maze, grotesque beyond description. Inside, sound drops to a cool hum. Down the descent, a two-level system of houses is revealed. Artifacts like plates and crockery excavated in the tunnels date back to the 1830s, showing that domestic life was to continue for a long time underground. In the labyrinth of dark, wet tunnels, a series of dead ends lead to chapel-like chambers, a place to pray for the poor souls stuck above ground. The designs on the vaulted archways show an intricate artistry still intact to this day. These flourishes reflect a desire to do quality work that lasts long beyond any battle between good and evil. The tunnels are strange, yet they are done with craft and care. If there is madness down in Williamson's tunnels, it is done with style. Folks say that he haunts the tunnels. Wherever the smell of aftershave lingers, it is old Joe still waiting for the apocalypse to come to Liverpool. The future is impossible to predict, yet for many, apocalypse is never far off. Whether revolution in the streets, politicians rising as terrible antichrists, or the impending doom of climate change. No one is quite sure why Williamson constructed foolish tunnels veiled in secrecy and madness during the hard realities of his time. One thing is for sure, it is a folly, but a beautiful folly at that. Those that labored in its construction deserve admiration, even if the end times never quite arrive on time. If you find yourself in Liverpool and need shelter from the terrors of a rainy day falling from the skies, tuck away into the tunnels. It is open for tours on Wednesdays and Sundays. Perhaps you can find one of the chapels and say a little prayer for the madness in the world up above. Secret Passages is researched, written, and produced by me, E.S. Rodenbiker. New episodes are every two weeks. If you like what you hear, 
Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps. And subscribe on Spotify or Apple. You can get in contact with me at secretpassagespodcast.com or follow along with the latest updates on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have a secret passage story to tell, please let me know, and I may even include it in a future episode. Thanks for listening, and see you on the other side.